Hello, I'm Mariette Smemo. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today's topic is non-violent communication. This is how it works. My guest is Elian Paulson, counseling psychologist from Pretoria. Welcome, Elian. Thank you, Mariette. Nice to be here. Just for our listeners, after our conversation, Elian will give us her three best tips for a more fulfilling life. And then it will be time for a fun question. Elian, today we're talking about a very different way to communicate, pioneered by Marshall Rosenberg. Why is non-violent communication a topic close to your heart? It is really one of those things that looking back at my life, really made a huge difference. It's one of the the big things that I'm hugely grateful for, and I wish I had much more uh, knowledge in it. I wish I learned more earlier in my life about it, because it made a huge change. Um, When I discovered it about four or five years ago, I had my whole family sit down and have a look at Marshall Rosenberg's work. All this stuff is on YouTube and freely available because it was just such an alternative to the way I've been um, growing up and living in our society. And it was a breath of fresh air. I really didn't notice new. Even being a psychologist, even, you know, studying humanities and working with people, I didn't realize that there is an alternative to the way we were communicating and actually viewing life. So although it's a simple technique, broken down to four steps, it's actually fundamentally giving me an alternative to live much more authentically, much more in connection with what's going on in my own life. And that opens the communication channels with people around you in a magnificent way. I'm hugely in debt to NVC um, to help me find a better way. Yeah, so I'm passionate about it. You mentioned that it was different from what you had been taught. Should we perhaps start there and see what we are used to do while we are communicating and then go on to the, the new alternative? Yes, because that's actually the power of it. So we kind of accept that the way we are communicating and how our schools and our culture and our churches taught us to communicate um, is the only way. And that way is usually based on, let's say, left brain functioning. So it's all about um, judging and perceiving the world in categories and it's valid. We, we do that. We determine whether something is good or bad or better or worse. But then to only stick to that understanding and talk to from that perspective creates a kind of a distance between things. Let's say I think you are older or younger than me, wiser or smarter or richer or poorer. The moment I come in and only judge the other, there is a distance. 
And according to Marshall Rosenberg, this distance makes us really act in an aggressive way. There's a kind of a disconnect and aggression. If I think you have a better opinion, I try to change your mind. If I think I have a different opinion, I try to sell you my idea. And there's a whole time this feeling, it's almost a feeling sense of distance between us. Now, that's the kind of standard way. I thought that's how it is. We must have an opinion about everything and I must judge everything as right or wrong. Also because it comes with a high moral value, like I want to do the right thing and if we don't do the right thing, we're damned and um, we judge whether you are part of my group or not part of my group so that we feel safe. So that, this really comes from our old brain functioning also called the Neanderthal brain, where we needed to feel safe in groups, okay? So it's really a primitive way of thinking. And it hasn't really been questioned, in any case, not in my mind, before I came across Marshall Rosenberg's work. Because he said then, we don't only have to function from the left brain way, the judging way, the structured way. We have a right brain, and that part of our functioning don't care about right and wrong, good or bad. It cares about connection. And it cares about um, what is alive right now, the fullness of experience. So if we to communicate, and I don't care whether you're older or younger, but I just want you to understand my perspective. And I want to understand your perspective. It doesn't really matter that I judge that perspective. Do you get the, the, the feeling sense of that, that it's then all about do we get each other? And that is a radical different paradigm to should I judge you or not? Yes, I don't think I've ever thought of it that way. He really came with his work um, that NVC is based on and made it clear that you have to make this paradigm shift. And it's something to practice in. It really, I can't even myself, after a couple of years of um, knowing these things, I can't say that I'm an expert at it at all. In any case, maybe in my mind, but in practice, it takes a lot of practice to not judge myself the whole time. But to look at what is really my underlying feelings and needs. Why did I do this thing that I'm worried about or want to judge myself or others about. Because now we're coming to more of the, the nitty-gritty of the technique, and that is that there's a couple of understandings to understand how this works. And the one is that people always act to fulfill their needs. Um, and it's not a bad thing. That's what makes us survive. For billions of years, we've got a specific need that's either frustrated or fulfilled. We have basic needs, like you're hungry or thirsty or tired, but we also have higher needs, um, like I have a need for connection or friendship or fulfillment or creativity or for pleasure. Yeah, Those needs are our driving force. And feelings has developed, um, have developed over time to show us whether our needs are met or not. 
So from the NVC model, we don't talk about negative feelings or positive feelings. We say we have feelings when our needs are not met and feelings when our needs are met. So let's say I have a need for friendship and at the moment I don't have any friends. I'm not allowed to go out. I'm not allowed to hug or see people. And I've got this deep need for friendship. I might have a feeling of loneliness or sadness or frustration yeah I might feel very content because the two of us are sitting and connecting now that fulfills my need for meaningful engagement okay so so it gives us the tools to look at every situation and understand it better and then from this perspective we can communicate much clearer with each other so from the judging perspective, and um, Marshall called that the jackal way. And I actually have a little hand puppet here because I teach this technique to many people and children as well, that the old way, the judging way is a jackal way. It's kind of nyaf, 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 bite, 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 bite. So if I have that perspective and I want to change your mind, I might demand something from you or expect you to do it or insist that you must have tea with me because I'm lonely or um, for my children, you know, I need a clean house, but then I'll demand them to fix things. And the moment there's a demand, what is your natural reaction? One resists. So the moment someone attacks, there's an automatic defense. And um, a demand is a form of an attack. And you will either defend. So even if I tell you, this is a fantastic technique, you must learn this. What will you think? I'd like to decide for myself. Exactly. So instead of a demand, what is the alternative? I can tell you, this is my feelings, this is my needs, and I can make a request or I can express a wish I love this technique I think it's wonderful I'm excited about it and I wish to um, tell it to the world spread the news instead of saying come on everyone you must do this you must learn this and in that there's a lot of freedom to experience once you really have a look at this yeah, it sounds like a complete change in perspective to me because I now realize when we communicate, especially if we're not in our comfort zone, then we are rather alert at not only looking for what the other person may be saying and what we think of that, but vice versa, what they may be thinking of us, which you can't know anyway. Exactly. But, and, and then it so often boils down to judging yourself, as you said. Exactly. So I think this sounds like a technique I could compare it to taking a huge breath and relaxing. But you will have, as you said, you will have to know how to look at yourself and look at your communication and at your feelings while you are doing it. So where does one start? Because it's, it's quite a big mind shift. My guess is that the first step is just awareness. Now that you know there's alternative, it's almost the biggest step to take. And give yourself a lot of grace and connection to, 
to experiment with this and also be able to make mistakes and learn. The first step, the feelings and the needs are basically step two and three of the NVC model. But the first step is also helpful in this regard. And, and that is that we look at the facts. We strip any situation from the moral judgment or the emotional load of things and we bring our awareness back to facts. Um, in any situation this is very helpful. So the moment I feel I judge myself for not being good enough at NVC, not being too jackal, oh and the alternative is the giraffe. A giraffe is a land animal with a huge heart um, so they operate more from the heart, the feeling, the connection side, but they also have a long neck so that they can view the world from a bit of a distance, getting the bigger perspective. So when I judge myself as not being giraffe enough or having done something that I'm unhappy about, I bring my awareness back to the facts. And that's a retrained process, but I see, okay, this is now the facts. Step two, this is what I'm feeling about the situation. Ah, yeah. that probably tells me this is my underlying need that motivate that. And then I can express a wish or make a request from that perspective. So it's really about an ongoing reflection on how I operate. Because there's a lot of compassion from the um, NVC community side to realize we've never got any training, never under any understanding in what is needs, what's my need right now, what's feelings, what is the feeling I'm experiencing now, what's the difference between feelings and emotions, and um, that is an awareness of the body. So we don't, we're not experts in this, we're not fluent in this, we really need a lot of new training, new understanding. And like a baby that learns with little steps first, first crawling and then walking before it's running, we really give ourselves a break and give ourselves the opportunity to learn slowly and connect in a new way. What I want to ask now is the difference between feelings and emotions. So that, that's a very technical term, and some people talk about feelings when other means emotion. So I wouldn't hook too much on ex It's like um, soul and spirit. You know, it's, some of those words are so closely related. But where it comes in for me is the difference between feelings we would connect to a mental word as well. Um, I have a feeling of sadness. And then the emotion of sadness is the emotion is more of a physical that puts you in motion. So where do you feel the sadness in your body? So it's very much also like looking at a prism or a diamond. It has different reflections. So a situation in a situation, you would have feeling, emotions, thoughts, bodily reactions, and w what we name them is not so important as that our skill of detecting them gets finer and finer. One would be more of a heart experience, 
and one would be a purely physical experience, but I believe they go hand in hand. Yes, because it struck me that you mentioned the body, which we don't always consider. Maybe you'd like to say a little more about that. Yes, as you know from our previous podcasts as well, is that the body, in my opinion, is really one of the biggest undervalued uh, resources we have in understanding our lives, in understanding um, our functioning, and also it's a resource in living fulfilled and healthy because we come out of a society that in general have maybe um, diminished the importance of the body actually a lot and I although I was quite um, upset with that initially when I noticed how my upbringing my training has only emphasized my development of my thinking and my head and my logic and didn't really um, give any emphasis on how am I feeling how I am I connecting with my body, now I have much more compassion for the fact that our previous generations had to survive in bodies, coming out of wars, surviving famines and so forth, so that we ignored the body. Otherwise it would be a hurdle? It would be painful and it's sometimes necessary to ignore the pain in that. So whatever it may be, we sit with a disconnection between what we're thinking and what we're feeling. And that's a dilemma for holistic health, for full functioning. It is literally, our bodies are currently literally part of our shadows, something we don't register well. So to get back to the steps involved in this technique, you have to distance yourself a little from the situation, I suppose, to be able to see what the facts are, uh, just the cold facts, so the concrete facts, and then you have to look at your feelings, including what is going on in your body, and then you have to discover the need that underlies that. Yes. And then the next step, the fourth step would then be to fulfill this need by making a request or expressing a wish. Could you give an example? Um, a practical example for me was where I really tested it out and we can say the techie hit the tar is with my son in his very dear room full of... Um, dishes and clothes everywhere and where previously I would have gone in the room, be very upset and then demand that you immediately clean up this mess. And I've been doing this for repeatedly over years so somehow this method doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and once I've discovered NVC I realized well let me try this out and I took a moment and realized I'm really upset about this. Why am I upset? And it turns out to be kind of complicated, a bit more complicated than I thought. And that is that um, I had a whole idea that if I'm a good enough parent and a good enough mom, my house must be neat. That's one. I have a, a need for 
neatness, for uh, a peaceful, harmonious environment. But I also have a need for support. I can't keep this house neat by myself. I'm not going to clean up everyone and everything. Um, I need support in creating a nice environment. And looking at it from that perspective, I could realize that the feelings of frustration, it's more frustration than that I'm angry at him or don't like him or anything like that. I could be clear that it's a frustration and uh, discomfort with an environment that's unclean. On the side, I feel the same if my kitchen is so unclean, you know, it's that something is really uncomfortable. So I could go to my son and say, you know what, I really feel frustrated if my environment looks like this. I like a peaceful, clean, harmonious environment and I can't keep the whole house like that myself. Um, I need your support. Is it possible that you can at least once every day or maybe in the morning now we open for negotiation. Can you do this and bring your dishes to the kitchen and every evening make sure all your clothes is backed away? And he said, yes, okay. And since then I could go into the room when it looks dear Makar and ask him, so you remember, um, is it possible? And then he would do it with a smile rather than be upset with me that makes a demand. Yes, Does so that judgment, give you the idea? Yes, that you remove the judgment of him. Yes, but at the same time you said removed, it's almost like this method also gave me a way to really connect to, but what is it that I feel? Mm -hmm. So I don't have to disconnect from my need for a, a neat house or support. I don't have to negate those feelings or needs, but I say it in a way that I claim it for myself. Another part of the freedom um, is that you realize no one makes you feel angry or sad. It's a fallacy. We've been kind of taught that way somehow that if you do this, you make me angry. In that scenario, you don't have any control because you, you cannot make other people do only what you want. But if you realize my feelings is my reaction to a very specific need, I can have different ways of reacting. Another, another um, example comes to mind that people really understand with this four steps of the how do you make a request. So we all want someone to love us. So I have a partner. I would really like him to love me. And usually if you choose a nice partner, they are happy to love you because it also fulfills their need for love. But let me say, um, I don't have a partner, but I like that person to love me. I would love you to love me, but you don't love me. You love someone else or just don't like my vibe. So my need for love is valid. My need for friendship is absolutely valid. But the way that I fulfill that need is very relative. 
I might not have a partner right now, or you won't love me, but someone else might. Or if I have a need for affection and there isn't people around, how do I fulfill my affection? You get a pet. You invest in another way of fulfilling that need that is possible for you to reach out to. It also then gives you uh, amazing opportunities to communicate your needs and your feelings. But it's still just a request. It does, however, if you put it on the table in that way, give much more freedom for someone to step in and say, oh, I didn't realize you had a need for support in cleaning the house. Don't know whether you noticed, but often your partner said, if you only told me that you don't like the um, clothes on the bathroom floor or that you would like me to make you sometimes tea, not only one way around it, then I would have done it. But it wasn't clearly communicated. So this really gives us an idea um, a, a framework when we are triggered emotionally to look at but what's actually going on and then clearly communicate it. I suppose that's, that's why Rosenberg said that it creates a, a sense of connection. Because yes. you have to connect with yourself yes. um, in, in a real way. Uh, I mean, you, you have to look at the situation from an analytical point of view just to see what's going on but then you can see what what there is and so you connect with yourself and you tell the other person in in an honest but gentle way what you feel like and that helps connection with them yes absolutely so there's two directions that this can work in firstly on yourself you can reflect on what is it that I need and feel, but you can also then reflect on what your partner or the person you are in contact with feel and need. Firstly, it's very insightful to put both of your facts on the table because the facts that I see might not be exactly the facts that you see. Um, something like, you are always late, always, is a judgment. It's not a fact. But if you say you have been late last time, you came in five minutes after the time, and the previous time you also came in ten minutes after the time, that would be facts. Mm. Whereas you can say, no, but I, um, whatever, I didn't realize it. So once you have the clear facts on the table, we can already sometimes resolve issues. Whereas the moment you say you're always late, it's a judgment and you mm. will come up with a defense. Mm. Yeah, so looking at the facts, I really think, takes a lot of the emotion out. Yes. And then you look on a deeper level at what the emotional, what the emotions really want to, to put across. Yes, and um, all emotions are valid. That's a little bit of a harder one for me and for everyone to face because we are sometimes trained out of certain emotions, that certain emotions are not allowed. You know, you shouldn't be angry or you come from a family that anger is allowed but just not sadness or whatever. So to really reclaim all your emotions is, is super important.
Oh yes, yes. Um, my children know about the NVC, and sometimes they would, you know, rudely remind me that I'm not the expert <laughs> in yet, and say, "Mom, you are attacking now. If you say it in that voice, I can't hear you." And then I realize, you know, uh, yes, old habits die very hard. Um, but it gives us the opportunity to find an alternative way, which is really, really a gift. Mm. I've noticed that you have a workshop where you teach this. Mostly during this COVID times on demand. But I also have an online training where NVC forms part of the basis of the tools that we need to really connect with in a deep, meaningful way. Mm. Because I think, I suppose one can write down the four steps and then try to apply them in your life, but it would be easier if you, if you followed the workshop. I also looked at uh, what you wrote about the workshop on your website and I have a few more questions because you've now told us basically what it's about, but there are more intricate things involved. So the first one is, is how do words or language contribute to connection or distance? Yes, that's a fascinating question. My first reaction to that question is basically that it's wonderful that we can get more and more sensitive to what is the words that we use. When is this words judging? and harsh and when is it facilitating connection. So I suppose one would have to listen to yourself talking and see whether you are using a word as a weapon or an instrument, for instance. Yes, and for me what I become more and more aware of is that doesn't always reside in the mind and the logic, but almost more in the feeling sense. I can say, you are my friend in one way, but I can also say it in another way that there's, my body literally doesn't recognize that as a truth. Mm. Also for yourself, speaking certain things that you feel, but there's a resistance here, there's a discomfort here, and to be more and more honest with ourselves about that. Now, speaking of discomfort, I think we often experience discomfort when communicating, but we don't really have a way to find out what it is. Exactly. So if you applied these steps, that might help you find out why. And it's not so much only the steps. It's that commitment to keep the communication channel open versus do I have to judge or defend or have the correct answer. If I have a commitment to keep the connection alive, then it's a very different perspective than judging the content. Then we're talking about process here. What should I do so that our communication here now with whoever you are right now in this alive moment can stay connected, can be alive, can really feel real and authentic? Yeah, that's quite a mouthful. So how do you get yourself to the point where you have this commitment for your, your relationships in general? So what Marshall said, and he's really inspiration, so um, 
double barrel answer. The bigger thing is to train yourself, listen to these kind of gurus, these inspirational people that have mastered some of these techniques. But what he said is that we all have it. We innately have it. And you listening to this podcast now will feel maybe, yes, there's something true in this. Or no, it doesn't resonate. I've never come across anyone that I've taught this principles to that didn't resonate with it immediately and saying, my goodness, yes, there is an alternative. I can feel that this will work. I can feel that this will be difficult, but that there's something in me that wants to find this alternative. Yes, I think we are naturally more, we feel better when there's harmony or Absolutely. at least connection than, than when we are to get the other person. Absolutely. And it's actually this belief in the goodness of all humans and that we have that ability that helps us find this new ways of getting across the aggressive, the traumatized society that we are in, finding new ways of connecting and being. Another outcome I see that you touch on in the workshop is uh, developing compassionate listening skills. Yes, that's of course a powerful one. And what Marshall points out very nicely is that it's very hard to listen compassionately to someone else if you feel threatened or if your, let's call it your petrol tank for, for empathy is very low or empty, yeah? So if I feel, oh, I just don't have the energy for anyone, it's hard to listen compassionately to someone else. So that's why it's super important to know that you yourself are feeling fulfilled, connected, have the support that you need. Then it's possible. If you know you will have a chance to be heard, it's easier to listen someone else out to the end of their story and not feel like you have a uh, wish to jump in before they finish because you want to say your part yeah so that's what's nice in a family if we know that we will have a chance to speak our part then it's much easier to compassionately listen to someone else you talk about a family, do you know if this work has ever been taken to workspaces? There is um, an NVC support group, uh, international group, compassionate language, and I know some work is being done on organizational levels. Here and there they are slowly moving in, and if you keep your eyes eyes and ears open. I've l heard people mentioning NVC now more and more on the international political fronts and so, but it's still very early days, I think, um, for yeah. it to distribute and bring its worth to bigger organizations as a whole. Yes, and I think it, it involves quite a lot of personal work, which is best done in, in a home, I would say. Yes, um, the, the big thing underlying NVC as well is one needs to feel safe. And organizations aren't safe 
per se, um, not the way our economy and communities have been structured. And I guess that part of the gift of COVID is that all these structures that's severely challenged at the moment is being questioned for its um, validity, for its humanity, for people being part of, of such huge organizations and it not really fostering alive, well, happy people, you know. Yeah, I think you've opened a whole new window to me and I'd like to, to learn more about this. So. Before I ask you where we can learn more about your work, what has this meant to you personally? You did touch, just touch on it at the beginning of the podcast. For me, it really opened my eyes to a whole new way of communicating and connecting to people, really valuing connection versus opinionated judging that we don't only have to do the logical judging of which I was very well trained in but that there is real value in connection and that is like it's like yeast that has permeated all my life and it also underlies the other work I do with creativity and with women's work um, and group facilitation is that this is super important and it made it clear for me. Marshall Rosenberg really, his thinking has made it very clear and helpful, accessible. I'm deeply appreciative of NVC in my life. So we're all hoping for a world with more giraffe-like humans in it. Absolutely, you got it. Elian, uh, where can people learn more about your work? So on my website, com, my offerings are available and I also have a YouTube channel with many free offerings and talks and meditations. Now for your three best tips for a more fulfilling life. <laughs> Maybe the first should be to give yourself the opportunity to study NVC more and connect. The second one would definitely be come back to your body. If you don't understand or can't think straight, just breathe. Feel what you're feeling right now. That's a tip I'm still working on and probably forever will. But the moment I remember to do that, everything is slightly easier and more under control. The third tip would be to really practice having fun and pleasure and get in touch with that part of yourself. What is it that would make life more delicious right now? What would make life really better in this moment? What is it that I would like and need and want? Mm, I like that word delicious. Yes. <laughs> now I thought of a fun question before I came for the podcast today and interestingly enough it fits in with, with one of the stories you told about one of your sons. So you have two boys and I was thinking that you've had your share of living with teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> So if you stretch your imagination a bit, 
and you could tell parents who are looking for a suitable symbol to indicate that they come in peace, not a white <laughs> flag, something else. What do you think would work? I've got young adult, semi-adult men now, and they love beer, so mine <laughs> is always, um, come, let's go have a drink after work. Uh, they, the legal age now, and then a vintage light is the peace sign for us in our house. <laughs> okay, now I've learned something too. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ian. Thanks for the information and the way you gave it to us. It was lovely to share it with you. And to our listeners, if this episode was useful, please share it with someone you care about. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in upping your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, mariettesneyman.co.za, for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, and the music is by Mart-Marie Sneyman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.00.